What was like the the wildest thing to happen on set during the filming of season one? Wow, that's a great question. It went so smooth, Jack. (laughs) I bet. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Cardboard Herald, my chance to talk with creative gamers and game creators. And today I am joined by Dean D'Onofrio and Aaron Rose Widener of Meeple People. Welcome to the show, guys. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's this is an exciting project. It is very cool. I see that it's getting a lot of attention. People are interested in this show. And I know that each of you have been wearing a lot of hats. So for the audience, to get a little bit of context for this to start with, why don't you tell me about your respective roles on Meeple People? So Dean and I co-created the project um, and we wrote it. Um, Dean was our fabulous director, um, and we both produced, um, and then I acted in it, um, as Emily. Um, but Dean and I met originally, um, years ago, I auditioned for, um, a series of plays that he does, uh, every year in Los Angeles. And, um, I loved, loved his writing and I never, ever, um, like contact the person who's doing but after I went to the audition, I, I actually sent him a message and I was like, look, even if I don't get into this play, like, I just want you to know, like, I really loved your writing and it was awesome. And he ended up casting me anyway. But, um, but then we started talking and we decided we really wanted to collaborate on something together because I'd written with other partners in the past and I was looking for my next project. And, um, and so we just kind of went from there. She was something special. There was something special about it that just I mean, she was already a great actor, but there was something else about it that was like, oh, I want to work with this person. I think we can go far together, you know? And this was one of the first uh, things. She's like, we need to do uh, something based on your game night. Well, it's because Dean invited me to a game night, basically. And, like, I had kind of, like, I'd been like, oh, I love games. Like, they're great. And then when I went to his game night, I was like, oh, these are, like, serious games. These are, like, serious. <laughs> like, this is not, like, Settlers of Catan or Monopoly or anything. Like, It's, like, these are real games. And I love them. But I was like, this is this is real. Um, and so then that's when I was like, oh, my God, Dean, this is it. Like, this is our concept. Like, we need to write something about, like, going into a new board game group and finding your people. And we just kind of riffed on it. And we just, like such a passion of Dean's and I was just kind of getting into the hobby and I don't know, it just seemed like the natural thing to do. So I can already tell that some of the story beats of the show may be biographical in some ways, you know, you're, you're <laughs> pulling on real life experiences. Having watched a, a few of these, are most of the characters based off of real people? Are some of them actually other members of this game night? Like, tell me about how true to life some of these experiences are. Most of the stuff that happens in the series might be certain <clears throat> moments that I remembered or wrote down. Uh, funny things that happen during game night or funny situations or things that we all think about, uh, like introducing a non-gamer to new games. You know, that's something that we in our game group, we're very inclusive, we'll invite anyone who wants to learn into our group, but it can be intimidating to learn something, you know, you don't want to start them off with uh, Agricola or a Feast for Odin, you know, you know, they'll just get overwhelmed. So, but also there was one specific character, that of Nick. Yeah. He is the ultra competitive guy 
uh, of Indian descent. He is based on uh, a real life guy who was who used to be a regular at my game night who was just so ultra competitive all the time. And he was actually at the game night when I first went in too. I remember that and like we were ordering and he was like super aggressive with the way that he was ordering food. He's like really nice and he actually the only reason he doesn't go to the game nights anymore is because he moved out of the, the state. So just to be clear about that. But 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 it was it was like, oh my gosh, like he takes everything very seriously and very competitively. One of the the striking moments for me was the introduction to the the group of gamers and there's the discussion about generations of, of people who have uh, come to this game group and yeah first gen and second gen and third gen and that makes us are, are we now fourth gen and it's like we'll see. So does that make us fourth gen? Not yet. And like, I, I felt like I knew that moment through and through. So that's where I was picking up on some of those vibes that these have to be drawing from specific moments that you guys have experienced. Absolutely. In fact, uh, I have that. We I call it, in our group, we call it waves. I have different waves of people. Every year, I'll put a meetup uh, up on meetup.com just so we can get like two or three new people into the group. And then we find the people that are the best fit that like us and we like them. And then I shut the meetup down. Right. <laughs> so, and then that becomes the new wave of people that we invite in. And it's like making new friends. They, they join the family. They become part of it. So obviously you guys are creatives working in L.A. You have a pre-existing history with uh, drama. And I, I'm wondering, like, what was particularly appealing about this for each of you? Was board games as a hobby an interesting platform to tell character drama within? Or was it that you specifically wanted to say something about the nature of board games? or board gamers. One of the things that when we were coming up with the concept and the idea of the characters and all of that is Dean and I love writing characters. We love getting into the nitty gritty of people and just, and I think the thing that's so cool about board game groups is that it's always a different group of people. Like, so there are different professions. There are, you know, like, it's just, just such a cool mix of people. So it just gave us a lot of liberty when we were writing this to say, who are the characters that we find interesting that we want to spend some time with writing and shooting and editing? Because the whole process to create something, you're going to live with these characters for a long time. So we wanted to create complicated characters um, that were... Uh, uh, interesting to us on a personal level, I think. And then a lot of the actors too, like we knew ahead of time. Um, so we also wanted to write to people's strengths and, um, and what we thought would be fun. You know, uh, we love each and every one of our characters, even the ones who seem a little maybe standoffish. We love each and every one of them, but we're interested in flawed characters. And we're interested in taking those characters on a journey, personal journey, so that eventually over the course of a series, they come to maybe learn a lesson or learn how to be more inclusive or learn how to communicate with each other better. Uh, that's what we were interested in. You know, you find your people yep. and then you learn how to live with those people in this kind of an atmosphere. Well, let's talk about the show itself, because for people who are just organically coming upon the, this interview, maybe they're fans of the Cardboard Herald and they haven't actually checked out Meeple People before, what is your pitch for how you describe the show? I would say this is about a game night host who's been hosting his own game night for years. The character's name is Aaron. 
and he has gathered a group of people that have one thing in common. They love board games, and they're willing to do it every week. Everything else about them, these people would probably never have met, nor would they have hung out uh, and become friends if it weren't for this hobby. So we wanted to show what that's like, uh, and and we were interested in uh, this. the whole series arc of basically this season one was, here are some new people who know very little about games or, or, or have some other annoying traits wanting to be part of their group. Are these people going, willing to set aside their differences, set aside their concerns, and welcome these new people. What's so interesting about this show to me is the format that you chose to go with. It's on YouTube. It's uh, available for streaming. Most of the episodes are around the, the two-minute mark. What's the advantage of having such tightly edited and curated episodes to you guys? Well, I think the thing that when we were looking at how we wanted to break it up is, you know, we did consider doing like these longer episodes, but when we started looking at the beats of each of the scenes, it felt like these very natural breaks to do every two to three minutes, kind of depending on where we are moving the story along. And I think, you know, one of the things is um, when you're creating content, you want people to want more, not to want less in yeah. a way. Yeah. And so... You know, like we, and so since they're so, you know, like snackable, we didn't want people to feel like, oh my gosh, it's like a 10 minute commitment to watch like a full episode. Like, what if I don't like it? Or what if it's, you know, whatever it is. But if you watch like a couple minutes, you're like, oh my gosh, this is fun. Let me, let me just keep watching. I think it feels like it feels very natural, like to just be able to kind of break it up into these snackable chunks. Yeah, that's a brilliant tactic, and it absolutely worked on me. You watch one, and then you're like, hey, you know what? I could spare another two to three minutes. I'll watch yeah. another. And because they pick up almost exactly where the last one's left off, uh, in most cases, or at least in the, the set that I watched, uh, it, it makes for almost like this compelling vignette that, that sets up one concept and then executes on that, and then, then the next one can be some other unique concept but fits within the the puzzle of the story it's a very interesting technique for storytelling i did want to ask uh, regarding the camera format i noticed that a lot of it is handheld camera rather than what you typically see in a, a lot of youtube shows whether they're scripted or you know board game reviews or anything where it's fixed camera perspective was that a specific choice in order to give it a an air of faux authenticity, like a kind of like the the office or something, or was it uh, something that was born out of necessity? You know, you didn't have a lot of the equipment in order to fix everything into place. Tell me about what choices you made when you were picking how to film this. We wanted like the office parks and rec feel where so we wanted people to feel like they were part of like that board game night. And I think the cool thing when we shot it was we had two cameras going at all times. So we were able to get different coverage um, on different scenes and um, it allowed them sometimes to ad lib. I mean, I yeah. percent of, of, of what you see is the script, but there are some scenes, some of these actors who come from an improv background, they're yeah. so brilliant. They can be funny and just sling yeah. lines at each other, uh, yeah. particularly Rebecca Lumiansky and Tess Hunt, who play Sue and Tara. There are two scenes that they have together, two separate episodes they have together. They, it, it's just listening to them. Most of that is ad-libbed, and it's just wonderful. And we do want that office feeling of uh, 
because we feel like the humor sort of gravitated to that. Just the humor yeah. on the page just felt like we wanted this sort of raw, realistic feel as much as possible. Yeah. I know that any sort of video production has the, the potential for all sorts of catastrophe. What was like the, the wildest thing to happen on set during the filming of season one where you had to go like, oh man, how are we going to overcome this issue? Well, that's a good one. Wow, that's a great question. It went so smooth, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> I no bet. problem. <laughs> Happiness all around. No. Um, scheduling the actors. These are busy actors, including Aaron Rose. So that was, uh, at least in pre-production, that was always a challenge because you had to have everybody there most of the time. I think one of them, I'll, I'll say, I think like one of the things that was interesting is that we shot, we shot during the day, you know, and we shot like long days, we shot long days. And so, but this takes place at night. And so one of the challenges that we have was like really blacking out um, our set to just like make sure that the lighting felt consistent. So you didn't have like daylight coming in and kind of like ruining the light levels and all of that too. So like that was actually kind of like a fun challenge was like trying to figure out like how do you make the the lighting consistent throughout. Another thing I think board game fans would, would uh, I wish that we had filmed this part of it just as documentary style teaching the actors to to act like real gamers (laughs) okay because almost Aaron Rose has played Pandemic Legacy she's played Dominion she you know she's played enough games that she knows how how it goes but these other actors had never really played more than Monopoly right so I'm trying to to tell them like okay I don't have time to explain the whole game to you but here's here's (laughs) so you know you like when it's your turn, you're going to do this and move this over here. And then when it's your turn, you're going to place this piece over here, you know, and just trying to just get them to understand enough, you know. But it's interesting, the actor who plays Ted, yeah. uh, uh, who's the Asian yeah. character, Nelson Chang, he was so enamored by Lewis and Clark, which is uh, the strategy game that, he, that his character is playing in the series. Right. Uh, that he, he came to one of my game nights later to play it, and then he ended up buying it. That Vincent Dutre art, it sucks him in every time. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Aaron Rose, you star as Emily in the show. When you guys were coming up with the, the script and the concept and everything, did you imagine yourself acting in it from the get-go, or was that something that came later on? No, yeah, I think, um, you know, like, I I love writing and producing and acting in projects, um, so that's fun for me. So when we were coming up with the concept, it was like, okay, what is the character that I'm going to play um, in, in the series? So that was, we knew that from the get-go, was that... Um, we wanted to play on her strengths, and one of her strengths as an actress, she can really pull off this ultra nerdy, uh, you know, history loving geek. Uh, there's a scene in the garage. I don't know if you saw that early on, Jack, where yeah. she's trying to make friends with some girls, and they're not interested in dowry related deaths, you know. <laughs> and uh, she's just nerded out by that. So she's that's why she's sort of the nerd in waiting that sort of belongs with this group of gamers because. She can talk the talk with them. Yeah. And I think that's kind of, I mean, that's a little bit true for me in in real life, honestly, where like, I'm a little like, I'm geeky enough to know some things, but like, that's where I think I related to Emily so much where like, she is geeky enough with some things, but something she's not. So like, she goes into that game night being like, okay, I'll try it. And then it's like, oh my God, it's a little, but like, okay, I'm in, 
I'm in. Let's do it. And by so, the end of it, she loves it. And she's like, I found my people. These are yeah. great. Now, I'm just a naive Alaskan boy who's only lived in Alaska or overseas. So, like, I don't have a lot of concept of, you know, what it's actually like being in L.A., being an actor, a director, a writer. And so when I think about this project and I think about the the professional integrity that clearly it's imbued with, and I think about how actors cost money and equipment costs money and sets cost money... And this is a brand new project to create a, a channel that's dedicated to this, Meeple People. Like, how are you guys uh, affording this stuff? And also, like, what is the, the pursuit of this? Is it intended to be something that is a, a platform to launch other things off of? Is it the hope that it becomes lucrative in and of itself? Is it a, a resume item? Like... Uh, of course, I know you're artists and you want to tell stories and obviously you care about the material and the hobby. But again, the, there's a whole financial component to making a production of the quality that you guys are bringing. So what is the payoff to that? Here's the thing, like with with shooting it, we, um, you know, there was a financial component. We did. Uh, we called in a lot of favors. We honestly did call in a lot of favors um, and we did it as cheaply as humanly possible um, without, you know, like hoping that people would still talk to us at the end of it. Um, but uh, but I think like for us, it was like we're storytellers. We're storytellers. We love telling stories and we love creating stories. And so um, we just want to keep creating stories, you know. And so when we are when we created this, it was like it's it's almost in this thing where like you can't help but like tell a story and you can't help it. So it's like, okay, we're going to do it. And like, and we put it out there into the world. And then while we were actually like finishing editing, we shot another pilot that like we wrote and we created and we're just, we're just constantly creating because like we can't help it, I guess. And we love it. And like, and we would love to be doing more of it. Um, and I, I think, that's true for both of us. It's like, we just, we just love creating we create more and more and more. Yeah. <laughs> this is, this is, this is one of many projects we have. And, but this is close to our hearts because yeah. especially my heart, because I am such a big gamer. I host my own game night every week. Yeah. So, um, this was important to me. Dean, tell me about that. Like, what's your origin story as a gamer? Have you been gaming since you were very young? When did you come into it? Like, what are some of the touchstone experiences along your journey? I grew up loving two things, games and films, okay? So when I decided I wanted to become a filmmaker, I concentrated on that. And it really wasn't until around 2004 that my eyes opened to oh, there's a world of games beyond Monopoly and Risk. I really had no idea mm -hmm. because the kinds of people I, were, I was hanging around were, were a different crowd. They weren't the gamey, nerdy crowd. So, But when I discovered this, I decided I'm going to start hosting my own game night and I'm going to bring some of my friends who already like games, but I'm going to invite new people that I don't know. And through that, we all together discovered this whole tabletop universe, and I fell in love, and I started buying games. And since then, I mean, I've been hosting my same game night every week since, yeah, about 2004, 2005, and I love it. I don't, I don't think I'll ever stop. I'll be, if I make it to 80, I'll be playing 
board games. You mentioned the the crowd that you were hanging out with, and, and one thing that I wanted to ask you guys about is this um, this difficult area in order to to navigate whenever. I see any media that's about like a, a nerdy subculture of any type. So oftentimes when you're trying to celebrate a, a group of people who have various quirks and neuroses and you're trying to emphasize these things that are really quite charming, it can also kind of reinforce that these people are the other. I do not feel that at all. I feel like I've learned that people like me are more of the mainstream than I thought they were. Right, right. The people that populate my games group, they're not just gamers. They love sports. Some of them love sports. Some of them love other things. But even the people like me who really are, are really just sort of a geek through and through, I think that's more of the mainstream with multiple generations. And the, you, there's, there's no more – you can't say anymore that, oh, well, you're not hip and cool if, if you don't go to the clubs every – Saturday night. I don't think that you can say that anymore here in America. I really don't. Yeah, totally. And I, I completely agree with you. But there is a tendency for for some media still to portray this as we're laughing at these people rather than laughing with them. Mm -hmm. and, and do you ever think about that? Like as you're writing these characters and, and you're, you're pointing out the, the weird little quirks and intricacies of their personality. And uh, of course, maybe even heightening some of these elements that, that you're sensitive to. What am I portraying about this subculture? Am I showing that it's inclusive or am I showing like, this is a group of weirdos who are out playing games. I'm going to go back to something that I said a little bit earlier when we were talking about the characters in general is that, yes, it's about a group of board gamers. It's absolutely about a group of board gamers. But when we wrote it, we wrote it based on characters that we found interesting, like people that we found interesting with kind of like not as much regard to like what what kind of board gamer is this it was more of like what kind of person is this because I think when you get back down to it it's like ev anybody and everybody like what Dean was saying plays board games so to say like we're only we're going to write this kind of character for this kind of board no like it was more about like what are the characters that we find interesting who are the people that we find interesting um and you you're, you're going to find all sorts of people like the you know like the Nick character like in real life is like kind of more of like this jockish kind of dude you know and like we based it on him that's like the one but then like you know with um Natalie, like, we actually have known Natalie for years. Like, we actually did a, uh, she was in the play when I met Dean. And so we just, we just loved Natalie. So we created a character that was like, we knew she could nail. So uh, yeah, our intention was, ne was never to say, uh, board gamers are uh, gatekeepers and, and they're snobbish. No, th there are definitely some characters who exhibit those traits in this. But the idea is for them to learn. The idea is to, we want to follow flawed characters who who stand to to learn something nobody we're in this situation watch, yeah right nobody wants to watch a movie or a series called the village of the happy nice people <laughs> uh, 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 that's boring you want to see flawed characters or at least i'm that's what i'm interested in and i want to see how a, a character like brad who's yeah. sort of the bumbling idiot in the beginning but sort of by the end spoiler alert wins people over so yeah. again you have to watch all the way through 
to really get what we're get, getting at. Yeah. Well, I, I think that's actually one of the things that to me is apparent and it seems like you you spend a lot of time thinking about is the heart of the show is how you opened this interview that that there are people who wouldn't otherwise be hanging out yeah. who have this common love of this hobby, the, this thing that brings them all together. And I, I think that's a very pure and noble and wonderful thing about this hobby is that it can be so inclusive because inherently you want more people to play with and they don't have to be people who look like you who have the same ideology as you uh they they are people that both you and them want other people to hang out with to to share this wonderful thing and that's one of the greatest things about this hobby in general and i think you really capture it in the show so in, in episode three Aaron, the host, says to Natalie, when we first met you, we thought, who's this weirdo? And we, <laughs> we learned to love you. So that's, yeah, he, he says it all. And there's this whole sort of thing where he goes to each person and he's sort of saying, look, everybody, don't be so snobbish. Let's, you know, give these people a chance. And everyone's a little bit weird. I, I think that's yeah. the fundamental thing here is that... But when, every person is, too. Like, in yeah. and outside of board games, and I think that was kind of our point, is, like, everybody has a group. No matter it, no matter if you're playing board games or not, you're going to have people that have these different personalities and different qualities yeah. about them. So we're not making fun of board gamers. We're actually uh, celebrating the different personalities. Totally. And I, I think that shines through. And th that's what I'm saying is that everyone on this planet, when you get right down to it, we're all a, a little bit weird. But I, I want to end with something that's a little bit more fun that, that isn't uh, quite so heavy. So um, regarding board games as, as a hobby, tabletop gaming, like, was there one element uh, of this hobby that you you specifically wanted to nail make it feel as authentic as possible uh that you were unwilling to compromise on if you were going to use this this hobby that you yourself love and showcase it in this show well for me it's i wanted to show i wanted to to look authentic when they're playing strategy games when they're playing games in general, I want it to be as real looking as possible. You watch movies and people are playing games that we all know. And then you say they're not playing it right. They're obviously not playing it right. They changed it right. to serve the story. And that makes sense, I guess. But it always bugs me. So I wanted it to look like they're actually playing a strategy game the right way. And it looks correct. I also think like one of the things that was fun was just like, have like the Phuket box in the background but one of the things that was fun for us was thinking about like how complex rules are um for me maybe more so than Dean because like he plays no, more sometimes I, I have to like where I'm halfway through a game and I'm like what was this rule again you know but just like you know like thinking about stuff like really strategizing about like what your next move is and like that authenticity of like you know, like you, I've played with those people before and I've probably been that person before where you're just like taking so long for like that next turn or whatever it is. And so it's just, I don't know, it's just like those kind of common, common things that happen when you're playing board games. Episode 12, the Chow Fa rule was so important to me that we get this right because that whole episode is about them arguing over a house rule. Yeah. 
And uh, I wanted that to sound real, sound authentic, sound like something you would hear at a game night. And we specifically created the fake game Phuket, which is the box behind her shoulder, so that we could have them discussing the problems of an actual rule of an actual game without actually ranking on some real game. The show is awesome, and I, I love all of your guys' work, and this is really exciting. So where can people find more Meeple people, and what can they look forward to in the future? Yeah, if they go on YouTube, uh, Likely Story Productions, uh, you can see all 17 episodes there. Um, and you can go to Instagram, Meeple People Comedy, and Facebook, Meeple People Comedy. Um, and I would say, like, for the future, we have a couple of little things that we're going to be releasing in the next few weeks that'll be kind of fun, uh, little bonus items that we'll be putting up on the channel. And we have a couple other ideas in the works. Every day on Instagram, there's a new post something fun. Sometimes it's a, it's a fun little puzzle or challenge that we created. Sometimes it's an interesting fact about the show. So we encourage everyone to also follow us there. Yeah. It's some fun stuff and you can, you can uh, interact with us. Well, Dean, Aaron Rose, it has been wonderful having you on the show and I can't wait to talk to you again and see what's coming on the horizon. It is shaping up to be such a cool project. Thanks again for coming on. Thanks so much for having us. If you enjoyed this video, we have all kinds of other reviews, interviews, and recommendations via writing, podcasts, and video here on our channel and website cardboardherald.com. Our content is audience supported, so if you wanna show your support, please visit our Patreon. Thank you so much for watching. This has been the Cardboard Herald.